the bell has rung. Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Edition of In Ring Reality on a Friday. Yeah, if you're wondering what happened there, basically, when I went to edit the episode, it got corrupted, and I don't know what happened. Just suddenly, the video would not play back in my editor. So I couldn't even put together an audio version without a completed video version. So I guess blame OBS on that one. But nonetheless, we are here on a Friday with the schedule adjusted ever so slightly. So of course, we're doing the AEW Dynamite review today on Friday. The We'll do the news tomorrow on Saturday, which means the SmackDown review will have to be pushed back to Sunday. But because of all of this and the logistics of time that it takes to put two reviews together of the two Wednesday shows for you, every Thursday I've decided to combine them together in one episode of the In Ring Reality Podcast. It'll make it easier for you to digest easier for me to do and better for those of you who use YouTube as well to experience the show because when the YouTube algorithm has two videos to push out to you the viewer a lot of times you end up missing what you are meant to see so all those things are positive for doing it that way but obviously you weren't prepared nor was I to do it that way this week so this will be the final AEW solo review with the schedule adjusted accordingly and with that being said I do also want to point out because some people ask me am I going to do visual aids for the AEW reviews the way that I'm now able to do it for the WWE reviews and quite frankly I would love to do that but AEW doesn't provide me a way to do that legally. WWE puts photos of their shows onto the website narratively so they're there for everybody to use when they talk about the shows. AEW does not do that. In fact, it's even difficult to legally find photos for a thumbnail. So I don't believe in doing anything in a not legal way as far as the presentation of this show. So for now, until things change, when it comes to AEW, you're just going to have to look at my handsome face the entire time. With all that being said, let's get into what I think was the big story to lead off this week's episode of Dynamite. And it was the fact that we got a huge eight-man tag team match announced for Fighter Fest, I'm not sure if it's going to be night one or night two, but given the people involved in it, I would think it would be a night two matchup as they want to go head to head with the NXT championship match between Keith Lee and Adam Cole. And of course, in the match, we got the announcement that it's going to be teaming up as one team, FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood, the former Revival, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder, and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, 
on one team versus the team of the Butcher and the Blade alongside their partners, the returning Ray Phoenix and Pentagon, the Lucha Brothers are back after Ray Phoenix suffered an injury and subsequently Pentagon was pulled off TV as well. The way that this was set up was that FTR had a heck of a match against SCU. Of course, originally they were meant to face the Natural Nightmares, the team of QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes, but of course, QT, as it has come out in the news this week, was exposed to someone with COVID, so for his own safety and the safety of his fellow AEW workers, he was not there, so the match was changed to SCU, and this was definitely a blessing in disguise, as these four guys just Oh my gosh, there was so much goodness between Kaz, Daniels, Harwood, and Wheeler. This was just amazing. Just really did a fantastic job of showcasing what both these teams are all about. And afterwards, when FTR gets the hot fought victory the butcher and the blade commandeer the truck that they use to drive to ringside in and they say hey boys this is a nice truck it would be a real shame if something happened to this truck so you better accept our challenge we're challenging you and your little dream match opponent buddies the young bucks to an eight-man tag team match against us and our partners who have no fear, which enabled the Lucha Brothers to return from behind FDR for a little bit of a beatdown before the Young Bucks, of course, came down in aid of FDR, thus making the match official. So, yeah, I really, really loved the way that this was set up, and hopefully... It's going to be as good a match as it should be on paper because I am salivating over this match being made. As for the rest of the program this week, the show kicked off with a lumberjack match as Wardlow with MJF in his corner took on Luchasaurus with Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt all of Jurassic Express together for this match. Luchasaurus gets the victory, or sorry, no, Wardlow gets the victory after Luchasaurus is distracted by MJF on the outside. Jungle Boy Jack Perry suicide dive or Tope Suicidas through the ropes to take out the interfering MJF. But it wasn't enough to keep Luchasaurus from being distracted enough for Wardlow to hit his F10 finishing maneuver. Sorry about that little mistake there. I guess I just kind of wanted Luchasaurus to win this match. So my memory thought that he did. But no, as I said, that wasn't indeed the case. What this did, though, was immediately say from Tony Khan that we are going to get MJF and Warlow versus the Jurassic Express at Fighter Fest. So... AEW does a great job of keeping all their pieces moving and making everything matter that we see on the shows. So 
I'm just a big fan of everything that went down here with this one. Next up, it was supposed to be AEW Women's World Champion Akaro Shida versus Red Velvet. But this was the absolute definition of a jobber match. It's literally, it was Shida coming out to the ring, kneeling a knee strike and the Falcon Arrow for a three count. It couldn't have been more than 30 seconds long. And the reason for this was that Sheeta, prior to the match, had already been confronted by her number one contender at Fighter Fest, Penelope Ford, and her fiancé, Superbad Kip Sabian. The Superbad team just was all over Akara Sheeta on her way to the ring. Sheeta then, immediately after this quick match that she was scheduled for, goes into the crowd-based area after Penelope Ford beats her down. And in the process of trying to help his fiance, Superbad Kip Sabian actually gets physically involved with Sheeta, which causes Sheeta to break his sunglasses and cause him to miss a lens. So I really love this. I thought this was completely... Uh, badass thing to do and it really helps Akaro Shida look really really strong which is what the women's division sorely needs in AEW they need their women to look strong and they need stories that matter so kudos on this one for sure we didn't get a segment that feels like it was entirely a concept that Cody came up with to hype up Jake Hager, hype up the TNG championship because it was a press conference with the Nightmare family, meaning Arn Anderson himself, Ellie, Brandy, and they were there waiting on Jake Hager to come in for this weigh-in. It was the same thing you'd see at a boxing match or a MM a match and they were there waiting they were basically hyping themselves up and putting down Jake Hager saying that Cody always knew he could beat Jake Hager that the reason Arn didn't want this match at first was because he wanted to fire up Cody and get Cody in the right mindset and that's why he said that and the fire in Cody's eyes rang true so they really built themselves up then Jake Hager shows up eventually and just is like are you ready and Cody's like I'm ready and they go to do it they take a few photos and Jake Hager just posing doesn't say a word to Cody just plays off to the camera which really frustrates Cody to no end and then Jake Hager's wife who I don't know the name of, so I do apologize. She's only ever been on TV one other time before, which was when Jake Hager faced John Moxley. So I don't know what her name is, so I do apologize for that. I will try to find it for the future. But anyway, she proceeds to throw a drink of water a glass of water that is in the face of Cody, soaking Cody, and that's how the segment ended. So, yeah, 
this was something different for a wrestling show, and I thought it was actually pretty smart. I thought it was a nice element that we're not used to seeing, which is always kind of cool. Next up, the advertised tag team match that was announced last week. The contract that Mr. Brody Lee signed to make himself and Colt Cabana a team. And they took on the team of Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. Kiss and Janela were set up beautifully by a video package which apparently aired on Dark first. I didn't see it. But they're going to get to the arena I guess. Or just going on a road trip together or something after what happened with Sunny Kiss rescuing, for lack of a better term, Joey Janela a few weeks back. But anyway, they're at this gas station getting gas. And while Joey Janela is in the on the inside of the store, replenishing, getting snacks, all of that, Sunny Kiss gets confronted by these big old bullies saying, this is a nice ride, you know, why don't you let us have it? I don't. And Sonny Kiss is like, I don't want any trouble. They're like, oh, you don't want any trouble. You know, typical thing. So a brawl breaks out. Sonny Kiss, of course, handles his own. But eventually he gets overwhelmed, which leads Joey Janela to come out and see what's going on. And he and Joey Janela basically have a wrestling tag team match in the parking lot. Very cinematic-like. I don't know why. There's just something about this that really worked for me. And maybe it's because I hadn't seen this team before. Maybe it's because I'm getting used to the cinematic elements in wrestling and really enjoy them when I see them. But whatever the case is, I thought this was great. And which then, of course, establishes the team really well and sets them up for the match that happened against Mr. Brody Lee and Colt Cabana. Good match, of course, as you would expect, though, because it's the bigger storyline than a new tag team being established. Mr. Brody Lee and Colt Cabana get the win to try to further convince Colt Cabana to officially join the Dark Order. Mr. Brody Lee hits the discus clothesline, but then selfishly allows Colt Cabana to be tagged in to get the 1-2-3. Again, reminding Colt how good it feels to be on the winning side. And Colt is like, man, it does feel good to win. You know, it does feel good to have somebody have my back. And then Mr. Brody Lee continues it by saying that he and Colt Cabana are going to be a team against SCU at Fighter Fest. SCU is in their sights, which does a couple of things. Again, it keeps that plate spinning between Colt Cabana and Mr. Roy Lee as Colt Cabana continues to probably be slowly more and more convinced to join the Dark Order while it continues the long-term storyline of SCU's involvement with the Dark Order going way back to the beginning of the group and the involvement with the group of Christopher Daniels from SCU. So yeah, I really, really thought that this whole thing was handled really interestingly well. I think got a jobber match, which of course was supposed to originally have John Moxley, the AEW World Champion in it. However, 
this did not happen as of course it's come out this week that Moxley's wife WWE's Renee Young unfortunately has the pandemic which unfortunately means as well that Moxley himself was exposed to it so obviously for his safety and the safety of everyone involved at AEW he was not on this show so Brian Cage takes his place in a very quick match against John Cruz absolutely just throws John Cruz around like a rag doll. Taz then gets on the mic and does the great job of being a manager, playing off the Taz segment that he's been having on AEW TV where he's been breaking down wrestlers and breaking down their moves and really breaking down deep for us, the audience, what they're all about. He did one on Brian Cage. Then this match happened with him on commentary. Then he goes into the ring and proceeds to call Moxley a coward for not coming to work. So in kayfabe, he says, despite the good reasons that you think you have for not being here, the best reason that you have for not being here is that Brian Cage can't get to you some more. And he is going to take the AEW World title at Fighter Fest. So, AEW is still planning on having the match, which is scheduled for two weeks away. But, yeah, I would be really surprised if this match does happen. Because two weeks is not a lot of time for John Moxley to be able to recover and feel safe from the pandemic situation. So, I have to to wait and see what happens with this match. Except Inner Circle member Santana takes the place of his fellow Inner Circle member Sammy Guevara, who of course has been suspended indefinitely after unfortunate comments that he made about WWE's Sasha Banks that surfaced. He has agreed without argumentative or without a need to not feel it's necessary for him and his betterment to undergo sensitivity training. Afterwards, his contract status with AEW is going to be reevaluated. I don't see this being a problem for Sammy, though, because this is the only incident that we've ever heard of Sammy being insensitive. And immediately afterwards, he went to Sasha Banks privately and discussed things with her, profusely apologized to her. Both he and Sasha Banks came forward on social media together to discuss the situation and discuss that they did have an open and honest discussion about it. So Sammy Guevara is extremely young as it is. And four years ago when he made those comments, he was even more young. So yeah, I think he's definitely learned from the situation. I think we will see him resume an AEW career, I hope, because I don't think it's as severe as the other allegations that have come out as a result of the speaking out movement. So I'll have to wait and see what happens there. But yes, Santana takes his place in the match against Matt Hardy. It's broken Matt Hardy is the version that we see in the match. So always fun to see him. He gets a quick, decisive victory and keeps that plate spinning with the inner circle. The inner circle then beats him down a little bit after the match, which causes Private Party 
to come out. So maybe another tag match gets added to Fighter Fest with Private Party and Matt Hardy against the Inner Circle. Maybe. I don't know. It would make for a lot of tag team matches on one card if that indeed does end up becoming the case. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens. And in the main event slotted segment for the show, it is a face-to-face with Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Jericho comes out and tells the joke, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? And talks about how the more you hear that, the more annoying it gets as a listener and as a person. And saying that's how he sees Orange Cassidy. And at first he didn't understand why Tony Khan, the Bucks, and Cody gave Orange Cassidy a job. He called them up and he's like, why in the world did you hire Orange Cassidy? And they proceeded to tell him everybody loves him. And Jericho then compliments Cassidy saying, yeah, you did what's kind of a no-no in wrestling and what's kind of a really rare thing in our sport. And you just completely got over on your own without anybody's help, without Anybody saying you need to watch and pay attention to this guy, you did it all on your own. You have a very unique presentation, but you just annoy the crap out of me. And you better not do those phantom kicks that you do to me, which of course prompts Orange Cassidy to do that very thing. Chris Jericho gets upset, breaks the sunglasses of Orange Cassidy, which enables the two to have a bit of a brawl around Daly's place and Orange Cassidy gets deadly serious and hits a flying Tope Suicida clothesline on to Chris Jericho onto a table after going further down into some empty seats in the rows of the arena to get a running start and hit the move. Orange Cassidy stands taller over Chris Jericho. This is why Chris Jericho has always been my favorite male performer of all time. He's a genius at this kind of thing, putting a guy down while building him up simultaneously. All at the same time, Orange Cassidy looks so strong going into this match. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun to see. So yeah, folks, that is it. That is this week's AEW Dynamite. Do let me know what you thought of the show this week, either by chiming in in the comment sections of YouTube and Facebook, or if you're a podcast-only listener, utilizing our social media, which is, of course, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or utilize the email address of inringreality at gmail.com. You can do that about the shows, or just get in touch with me in general. Let me know what you're feeling about this show, suggestions for the show, questions, all of that can be used in that manner. And of course, if you are new here, please do consider doing all the things so you never miss out on any of my future programming here with the Henry Reality Podcast by hitting that subscribe button on YouTube, making sure you are giving us that follow on Facebook making sure that if you 
even don't use Apple Podcasts as your preferred podcast listening platform, that you go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, as that is what the podcast algorithm uses mostly and will help us grow this show and me to make it bigger and better for all of you. And as I always say, because I appreciate each and every one of you so much, and I think everybody needs the reminder all the time that life is only as good as what you choose to make it to be. So make the choice to do something great today.